to the survivors. I've been in your shoes. I am still in your shoes. And we just keep fighting together. Fight to live. Fight to survive. Fight to be here. Fight through those hard, dark, dark, dark days. Just keep fighting because we need you and we're all going to get through this together. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my ongoing goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and better conversations with attempt survivors. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen, because there's a lot to learn. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com and on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. This is episode number 65. It also marks our one-year anniversary. So I am beyond grateful to all of the suicide attempt survivors and everybody who has listened to this podcast. If it was part of one podcast or every single one, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your support. I hope you keep listening. I hope it's helpful. And I hope you let people know about it if they need to hear it. And we all know there are many people who need to hear this or these kinds of things. So please let folks know. And we have got our first Patreon supporter, Tegan. Thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, It will go to the production of this podcast. There are some costs associated. I will put a link in the show notes if you would like to help us out as well. But either way, as always, we appreciate any support you can give. And if that's listening, that's more than enough. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, you know that my main thing is helping folks feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. So thank you. Today I am talking with Lachey. Lachey lives in uh, the sunshine state of Florida and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Lachey's in Florida. Yes. For the record, no one cares, but I went to school in Gainesville, Florida. Oh. Back in the day. We are not here to talk about me. (laughs) We're here to talk about Lachey. I'm always curious about a couple of things, how people find the podcast and then why they reach out. When I was kind of going through a moment where I was, you know, about to tip over the edge, I was having a suicidal thoughts. I actually searched. I was like, let me see if there's any podcasts out here where people talk about it. And I came across your podcast and I was like, no way. Like, no <laughs> way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so ever since then, I've been hooked. I just wanted to hear someone else talk about it. That's the only reason I do it. Well, yeah, I think it's an opportunity for people like you and others to talk about it, and just because some people have nowhere to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then, like like you said, yeah, like some people are out there, they want to hear it, and they don't want to just hear, I think, it's going to get better, everything's great. Like, we know. We know, right? right? (laughs) 
We also want to know, not everybody, not everybody, right? But some people want to know, oh, okay, I'm not alone in feeling like I want to end my life. Mm -hmm. Or I'm having really dark thoughts. Or nobody understands me. Yeah. And then you, so you hear it, you're going through some tough stuff. You hear the podcast. Now, most people would stop there, but Lachey is different. She's like, nah, this guy, that's his email um, or messenger or whatever. I'm going to reach out, right? Right. Correct. So what was that about? I mean, I'm so happy you did, but I'm curious. Well, when I heard you say others out there that want to share their story, you know, reach out. And I was like, oh, that's me. I want to share my story. (laughs) I was ready. As soon as I heard you say it, I was like, yes, I want to share my story. And you're you're also in a presumably a minority of people in that you want to share it. No judgments against people who don't. It's completely their story, their life. But you do. Yep. Yep. Is there a reason why that you can identify them? So like, huh. Basically to let others know they're not alone and feeling this way. Um, And because I'm a survivor. So I can stand and choose with other survivors because I've been there, you know, still here. Still kicking. So, yep, still kicking. So, just for, you know, ones out there listening can get a better understanding, at least from my shoes. So, do you have, let's dive in. Do you have one? Uh, you get to define attempt however okay. you want. Do you have one or more than one? Three. Only one hospitalization, one time been hospitalized. All right. So, can we talk about the first one a little bit? So I was like around 12, 13. I don't remember what really pushed me over the edge, but I remember I went, got a knife out the kitchen, took a shower. And when I got out the shower, I um, cut my wrist. But once my wrist was cut, I was like freaking out. Like, oh my gosh, my wrist is cut. Like, then I started screaming for my mom and she came in in the bathroom and it was blood everywhere but she thought that I fell fell some kind of way and cut my wrist like she didn't know that it was actually me who did it so that time I didn't get hospitalized or anything because she didn't know like she just thought you know it was an accident did anybody know no I know it's tricky now several years later to go back and think about 12 year old you you said that you didn't really know why most people at 12 or any age, they don't do that. Do, do you have any, I know. Like, like, I'm not going to push you here, but I'm wondering, like, was it just a freak out moment? Something I, happening like with a with a with a boy or a girl or your mom or your dad or school? My best guess is I was I, I think I was upset about something, but I can't really remember, you know, exactly what it was. Yeah. But I remember being like very upset, just feeling like, you know what, this is the end. Do you think that you had some sort of predisposition to think about ending your life? Because a lot of people wouldn't, particularly at that age, right? They would cry. They might run away. They might do something extreme. They might cut. It sounds like you wanted to kill yourself. So maybe predisposed? Any ideas? No, not sure. Mom finds out, but doesn't find out. Yeah. You got scars on your wrist or you didn't go deep enough? Mm, Yep. I have scars on my wrist. Has anybody ever talked about them? No, no one actually never even asked me. I have a scar on both my wrists, but the other one, I don't know, something happened. Like, that wasn't a suicide attempt. Yeah. Actually, no one ever asked. Like, hey, what what happened there? No one ever asked in any way. <laughs> hey, what no. I guess a lot of people would be hesitant, right? But 
I mean, I guess because no one knew about it, they like, well, there ain't no way, you know, she could have did that because we would have known. So I'm thinking maybe they think it was just an accident. Sure. All right. So you're growing up. Are you in Florida? Yes. Growing up in Florida, you have that one attempt. Life goes on. All through teenage years, very depressed, very suicidal, but I didn't get any help. You know, I didn't. Didn't reach out. No one knew. So when you say uh, suicidal, you mean like you're ideating, you're thinking about it. Yes, all the time. Let me ask you a question that I don't ask a lot of people is, do you think any of it has to do with the African-American community, which tends to be a little bit more hesitant with mental health support? Uh, yes, definitely. definitely. Yeah. yeah, because once I, the second attempt, um, a lot of people in my family was just like, pull it together. You're fine. You know, you got this. And it's right. like, you know, something is definitely like, I need, I need help. Like something's going on. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. That's got to be just taking an already really tough thing and making it much tougher when people are around you, you you've no one to really see to say like, oh, that person as a model, so to speak. Right. Like there's yep. no one. Nope. All right, so you're struggling through high school, and and when does the second attempt happen? Second attempt happened when I was 16, so... High school. mm Mm-hmm, high school. February just made 10 years, and I I always remember that. February 24th to the day, I just never forget it. Why? I guess it's just a memory of the fact that I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah. What was going on then in your life? Uh, Anything in particular um, that you chose that, that day? It was a lot going on. I was going back and forth between my my dad's family and my mom's family. They were like fighting for custody over me. Um, so it was just a big thing going on there. Problems with the boy that I was seeing at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, my head was on overload, overload. And you're not getting any sort of help. No help you're not at going all. To a therapist or a counselor. No, no. medication, I assume. No, no. Just trying to tough it out. Yep. Yeah. Which usually doesn't work. Mm, nope, it didn't. And finally I cracked. So that day I went to school, business as usual. But what everyone didn't know was that morning before school, I got a lot of pills from the house. I think it was Tylenol and ibuprofen. You know, I had it in my book bag, but, you know, my aunt and my sister who lived with me at the time, they didn't know. So I just thought it was business as usual. So, so you're planning. You, you gotta, that's not impulsive. Oh. That's oh no! You, yep. You're walking up. over a bridge and just saying, "I'm out." You you planned it. <laughs> yep, I woke up that morning like you know what? This is it. Today. Yeah? The- mm-hmm. What'd you say it was February twenty fourth? So, any idea what was different between the twenty fourth and twenty third? Nope, I have no idea. Woke up ready. Yeah. Pills in bag. Off to school. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do it at home because I didn't want to like traumatize my sister or aunt because, you know, they was to find me dead. Yeah. So I took them when I were in school. In school? In school. Overdose in school. In That's a... how the 16 year old mind worked. <laughs> so are you in the bathroom? Yep. I was in the bathroom from what I can remember because I was in and out. And I went into the bathroom. I took a bunch. I don't even know how much. And next thing I know, I was out. Like when I woke up again, it was um, like a bunch of nurses and teachers calling my name, calling my name, asking me what's wrong. Am I okay? 
telling me the ambulance on the way. Like, I, and I was in a whole, I wasn't even in the bathroom no more at that point. Like, I still was conscious to know what I had done, but I kind of was like, you know, what is going on? Like, I'm, hold on, I'm still here. <laughs> this didn't work, all those pills. And then I started throwing up. So it, it yeah. came right back up. Like, and of course, when I got to the hospital, I, you know, told them what I did. Cause at that point I didn't know what was going on, but they didn't have to pump my stomach or anything because I threw it. I threw them up. I, I threw them up. Did you go to another kind of hospital or just that hospital? Yes. For three days, three days, they sent me to a crisis center for kids. Okay. Is that, is that what they, do you know how Florida works? So they, that's what they do. Yes. That's what they do for 72 hours. Any, uh, so hard to kill yourself in those places. Yep. Anything, uh, and that happened in that hospital that you found to be helpful at all? No, not at all. Not at all. I wouldn't say it was horrible, but I would say it kind of made me feel like I didn't want to go back there again. (laughs) different (laughs) Different kind of deterrent. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. So then you're 16, right? This happens in school. Now you're in the hospital. For sure, someone in your family knows. Yes, everyone knows. Everyone knows. They take my cell phone. They take everything from me. I don't even have a hair tie. They take everything from me. As a punishment or as a way? No, 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 the the hospital. So I'm at the hospital. Yeah, so I was at the hospital waiting to be transported to the crisis center. But while I'm waiting, because the officer has to transport you. Well, I don't know if it's because I was a minor or what, but the officer had to transport me. So while I'm waiting for an officer to come, all my family is coming in one by one. They're crying. I see how tore up they are. So then it makes me terrible because I realize like they, you know, going to be devastated. Like they would have been devastated. And everyone is like, what in the world? Like, I didn't know you felt like this. Like, how could you feel like this? Like, life is great. And. I'm just like, no, your life may be great. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's so interesting when people tell you how life is. Yes. When yes. they don't ask you, they just tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if this is a bit of a weird question. Is your family, I mean, are they churchgoers? Um, some of them, yes. I so wonder how that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That influences how people see life and 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 perhaps how you should live, I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go back to school at some point. Go back to school. You're not going to believe this. I, I can't. <laughs> I want to believe it. Go. They suspended me for two weeks. Two weeks for something about bringing the pills on campus. But it was over-the-counter pills. Suspended me for two weeks. This is how we deal often with these uh, when people do this. We try to punish them more and more and more and more. And what you probably needed. Now, I don't know how you were as a 16 year old. If I had to get what you probably needed was just a whole lot of love. Yes. Yeah. And And counseling and therapy like I 100 percent. I would have took that, you know, fast. Have someone to talk to people to Mm -hmm. talk to and you get. Things taken away, suspended. Did you? So when you go back to school? No, 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 no. Um, just to correct, my family didn't take my phone. I was meeting no. in the hospital. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. But that to me is still a kind of punishment. Oh yeah, it is. I, just it my is. thoughts. There's no need mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, no, it's not. It's There's not. There's no need to do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not suggesting that 
yeah, it doesn't matter. There's ways they can control it without just taking everything. Mm-hmm. From you. It's yep. rather inhumane. Did, when you go back to school, though, do the kids know? No, the kids didn't know what happened. So I would tell them like, oh, I just was real sick. Like I got, you know, none of my classmates or people at school knew what happened. I just told them that I was real sick and, you know, that's what happened. I'm going to take a guess here. You'll tell me if I'm wrong. Of course, your family, who I'm sure are awesome people, so I don't mean to shed them in any negative light at all, never talked about it. No. Never brought it up. No, no, no. No. If we don't talk about it, it kind of didn't happen. Yep. Yep. Even though it was a big thing that happened. So you go to a three-day intensive thing there. I I actually skipped the part. Let Mm -hmm. me go back and add. Before I made my um, attempt, I actually text close family members. And I was like, hey, I love you. Nothing is wrong. Just want to let you know I love you. When it happened, their senses was already up because I had just sent out that text. But I was in school, so they was like, okay, she's fine. You know, maybe she is just saying, you know, she loves us. So that was another thing. All right. So my question, and if you've heard the podcast, you're probably hearing the same questions I ask other people. <laughs> you know, when you're 16, but it really could be any age, and someone does something like this, and they go into a hospital, they come out, whatever happens, unless it gets treated, you're almost guaranteeing it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I assume and I hope people in your life are doing the best they could. They, mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, you had already said earlier when you were talking about your first attempt or some point around there that your family kind of said, hey, just pull yourself together. Do the best yep. you can. Try. Yeah. What happens, though? Now you're 16. You're f- going through high school. You've got these two attempts. You're still not getting treated. Nope, still not getting treated. I didn't start treatment until maybe about six, seven months ago. And we're talking about 10 years ago. Check out these mad skills, these powers I have here. You ready? You're (laughs) depressed in high school, you said, all the time. Mm -hmm. Now, some of that could be like teenage angst. Here's Sean's guess. You stayed depressed. Yes. All those 10 years and probably till today, still mostly depressed. Yes. Suicidal? Very. Only had one more attempt, which we'll talk about. So that means most days you're thinking about it. Yes. Most days? Most days. A lot of days. Ruminating. Yes. Just trying to figure out another way because I'm like, okay, pills, that that didn't work. So, you know, what else are you going to do? And this whole time, it's man, depression is such a beast. Um, you're not diagnosed because you haven't gone to get that kind of diagnosis or help, right? You don't know what you have. Uh, right now, I've been diagnosed with bipolar depression and anxiety. So we're working through that. You know, yeah. I'm, on meds. I'm on meds and stuff. Before you got that diagnosis, because you said you were only treated as of six, seven months. Yeah, ago. six months. So that whole time, nothing. Just fighting. Fighting? Fighting to live. All yep. through the pandemic, too, or 2020. Yep. If my yeah. math is correct. So how does this, so in man, you know, cause I, I deal with this stuff. Not, I haven't tried it in my life for, and people get surprised by that, but I've been close and I know how depression and anxiety might manifest in somebody's life and how it affects everything. Right. 
So when you're in your teenage years and into your 20s, how does that affect, I'm curious, sort of like work, relationships, whatever else? I mean, terrible effect on work. I mean, I would work in a year. I would cut, honestly work 10 to 12 different jobs in a year what kind because of jobs? I can't work long at all. I cannot work long. You get fired or you quit? Quit, quit quit i can have bills and i still quit like it's like nothing matters i'm quitting today like they push me over the edge that's it what kind of jobs do would you usually get like customer service and warehouse both yeah but well, i don't work for long uh, I, I mean i mean i'll go three four months without working just because my mental is so heavy that i can't work can't do it yeah and it affects sleep and i mean yeah. do you oh yeah how how many close friends? You don't. This might be too sensitive, but how many close friends do you have? Friends, two. 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 Do they know about this struggle, including the suicide attempts? Yes, and we got this thing where when they don't hear from me, they check in. They like you know if it it could be two like two days is the max. If they don't hear from mm, me in two days. Yeah, they text saying, "Hey, what's up?" You, you know, and sometimes that's all I need. Like, and it happened the other day. My friend texted me and she was like, "Hey, sis, you okay?" And I'm like, "It was it was one of my dark days, dark days, where I couldn't text anyone. Like, I'm not going to my phone texting anybody first. Like, I just want somebody to text me and see how I'm doing." Mm-hmm. And she did, and I was like, "Oh, thank you for that, because I'm I'm going through it right now." What? How else does it show up in your life? The depression, the bipolar, you said, and the anxiety day to day and you said you're going through it are you sleeping all day yes majority of the time sleeping all day either not eating or overeating anxious feeling like something's bad gonna happen just kind of waiting pretty much for something bad to happen do you live alone no right now i live with my sister and i have two kids so you got a few people around yeah when was the third attempt we didn't talk about that one Third attempt was this one. I consider an attempt because I was waiting to die, but I never died. So back on um, New Year's, you know, everybody hang out, get together, drink and stuff. So I don't know what was in my drink or in something that I was smoking, but it gave me a bad um, reaction. Mm-hmm. To where I was in and out of consciousness, I was sweating real bad, but my body was cold, like to the touch, but I was pouring sweat. Wow. My heart was racing. Mm. It was bad. Like they rushed me to the hospital. And but the whole time I was just waiting to die. Like they were like, try to breathe, you know, this, this, and that. And I wouldn't, I was not trying to breathe. I was kind of hoping that I would just die. Like it was an accident that everything got mixed up. Like everything yeah, I was right. fixing. Right. But once I realized I was in and out of consciousness, I was just trying to die. Like I was not trying to live at all. Take me away. I'm done. Yeah. But you weren't done. You lived. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, obvious. No surprise there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when when you puked up the pills back in the day, or when you lived through this, are you? I don't know if you remember. Are you feeling like? Thank God I'm alive, or like God damn, no. it, I'm alive. Yeah, it's like yeah, second one, definitely. You don't want to be. Do you want to be alive now? Not really. If I, my math is correct here, it was after the third attempt around New Year's that you got treatment. Yeah, since like October of last year when I started my treat uh, treatment. Now you went 
Almost been, 26 years without getting treatment. Why all of a sudden did you get treatment? Because it was affecting. I was previously married, but I'm going through a divorce now. It was affecting that. And I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old. So my parenting, which I'm a great mom. I it bet. never affected it in a bad way. But I could see myself, you know, being this depressed person. And I kind of want to be better for my kids. That's the reason I want to help for my kids and, you know, to make things better in my marriage. Yeah. Good for you. That's not an easy decision. No. Now, so they diagnosed you, you were meeting with them once a week? Um, Twice a week. I mean, I'm right. sorry, twice a month, twice a month. That's not very often. No. Lately, it's moved to once a month. Yeah. Do you have insurance? Yeah. So because I got free, you know, free state insurance, now I've moved to once a month therapy, which is oh, not man. enough at all. People, man, it should be once a day. Yes. Once yes. a month. You wonder why people are offering themselves. Yep. Can help. Yep. You got diagnosed. You're on meds now? Medication? Yes. Yep. How many medications do they give you? Uh, right now I'm on two different meds. You feel like it's helping? Some days. A few days ago, my meds just went up on the milligrams. So I'm waiting to see if it makes a difference. Yeah. So you, so you're on meds and um, seeing someone once in a while, because that's what your insurance lets you see, which makes me, mm-hmm. just, I, just, I shake my head. You, as I asked you a couple minutes ago, you don't want to be alive. No. If I could say out of a hundred percent, 80% don't want to be alive. That's got to be a really difficult thing to just sort of be thinking and feeling most of your days. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, and tell me if I'm off, as always, please, with kids, it must be especially, especially difficult sort of conflict. Yes, because it's like, if I don't live, you know, then I leave them without a mother. But me being here, I'm also, you know, not too happy just to be living. So it is a big conflict. And I know, like, you know, if I was to commit suicide, it's going to damage them when they get older. Like they're going to be traumatized when they figure out, you know, what really happened. Yeah. So that's the reason I fight every day and my family yeah. too. Like I don't want to leave them traumatized because I, I, I know what it does to, well, I hear, I don't, I don't know anyone personally, you know what it does to the family members that are left behind. So I just try to keep fighting. I mean, you're a warrior, man, no doubt. People don't hear that very often, I don't think, but it's, nope. it's, it's an amazing fight every day. So some people in your life know. Yes. Like all, all of my family knows, close friends know, you know, my estranged husband, he knew. How many people do you have in your life? Not that know, but that you can really talk to who can listen who can engage with you, who when you're done speaking with them, you feel either better or certainly not worse. Four, definitely four. Four people. All right. So there's some people. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And another thing that I did, I made a pact with two people in my family that when I'm in this, not when I'm having suicidal thoughts, but when I'm getting ready to act on it, I'll call them. So yeah, to help me stay up. Stay on the good side. Have you have you ever had to do that? 
Yes, within the last month, it's been like twice I've had to call. Yeah, mm-hmm. just in the last month. Yeah, just in the last month. Yep. It's also when you when you started to look for this podcast or a podcast. Yes. Yep. So, is this month particularly difficult? Actually, no. No, I don't even know what it is about this month. But does anything that you can identify help? You feel even a little better or more than a little better? Writing for sure. Like if I write my goals down and I, you know, I'll study those, it helps. And looking at pictures of my family and my kids, mm-hmm. those are the most two things. Like on my wall right now, if I, I can flip the camera, I got pictures of my kids and me and my family to just help me get through. And it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that's what you got to do, right? Just get through that little awful stretch. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) When you think about your depression and anxiety and your struggle, your attempts, all of that stuff, are there any myths that you want to let the world know? When I say the world, I mean people listening to this podcast. No, man, you got it wrong. When they think that we're doing it for attention, that's so wrong. Like, no, we don't want attention. Like some people think like, okay, say I'm having a moment and I reach out to someone saying, Hey, I'm getting ready to commit suicide. I'm going over edge. Like people can say, okay, well you're reaching out to someone. So you must not really be there. No, I'm reaching out for someone to save me because I can't save myself. So that's something that people need to understand. We're not doing this for attention. We're reaching out for help. Because we need someone to save us, mm. you know, because a lot of us, sometimes we want to die, but it's just because it's painful living, if that makes sense. Like if life was not painful to live, then I want to live. Sure. Yeah. And when I think about or sometimes ask people like a message you have for people listening, whether they're attempt survivors or they're thinking about it or somebody in somebody's life who's who, who's in a more of a position of support it sounds like from what you're saying one thing you would want people to know is what you just said they're not asking for attention so try to help them because they need help yep to the survivors i've been in your shoes i am still in your shoes and we just keep fighting together fight to live fight to survive fight to be here Fight through those hard, dark, dark, dark days. Just keep fighting because we need you and we're all going to get through this together. That said, Lachey, what is the likelihood that you make it to your 30th birthday? Um, If I could put it between zero and 100, I'll say about 60. So a little bit more than half. Half, yeah. All right. So that's a pretty big chunk of you might not make it. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. But it does seem like you're trying to do some stuff to, if nothing else, like you said, feel a little better, be there for your kids. Yes. But I think it's important that people know that, that, that that's not always enough. Like in other words, people try and there's no guarantees here. Yep. I'm not and saying anything I, you don't already know. Yeah. Yeah. And someone in my family asked me, like, promise me you will never do this again. And I say, I can never promise that. Yep. I'll be blind. Yeah. Most people I talk to, it doesn't always come up, but they say 
it's probably something that I'll live with for the rest of my life. They don't know. They're not in the future, but mm-hmm. I've dealt with this for a long time. It's probably going to be there. I'm going to do my best to be okay. Yeah. What the hell else can you ask for? Yeah. What else can we do? Right. Other than stay in the air conditioning in Florida. That's for sure. <laughs> we got to do that. You got air conditioning? Uh, you have to have it. Are you planning one thing for you or your kids or whomever this summer, because we're entering summer, right, that you're looking forward to? Yes. So I'm going to take my kids to Legoland because I've been, but they're not, they haven't been. So I'll take them to Legoland within the next few weeks. Awesome, Lachey. Any anything else that you feel like you want to share that I didn't ask about? No, I think we got it all covered. But I do want to thank you for having this opportunity for me and for others. You're doing a great thing. Keep it up, and I'm going to continue to listen. Like I, I, I be waiting <laughs> for a new episode. All right, I, I'm pumping them out as fast as I can, and I do. You know, it's one of those things where. You kind of wish you didn't have anyone to talk to because people weren't trying to end their lives, but we know they're going to be mm-hmm. a lot. In fact, I think the latest numbers I saw it continues to rise, so it's it's a problem. So hey, we just do the little things we can do to help help out a bit, you know. But I appreciate I appreciate you joining me, and I'll keep trying. Thank you. All right, let's stay well. Take care. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to the Shea down in Florida. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. That is all for episode number 65. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>